Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that you're here by your Holy Spirit. And thank you that, Holy Spirit, that you will open our hearts and our eyes and our ears so that we may receive revelation, so that we may know Jesus better. Thank you that you will anoint the word and grant us courage, not just to be hearers, but to do us also in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. If you turn to uh, Acts and chapter 2, and um, something that uh, I've not heard, uh, when I became a Christian, it was very common to talk about these things, but all the years, uh, a lot of preaching had become uh, more like uh, lifestyle preaching, do this and do that and don't do this and... uh, or common sense and things like that. But we have to understand that when you and I, we become believers, we become what we call a supernatural being. Okay. So in essence, Christianity is supernatural. Uh, not crazy, but supernatural. And many of times that uh, uh, you have to understand is that there's one thing about the Christianity is that when you become a believer, very often, most of us, when we come into the body of Christ, we come into the to the kingdom because something had happened in our life, and uh, we mo- most likely are not in the perfect state when we come. Okay, so the first stage of being a Christian is that you need to be stable, and sadly, many charismatics they never go beyond that point because they never become stable. But you also have to understand that's not the goal. Because we can be so stable and that you're not moving anywhere. Like, uh, yeah, everything in your life can be in order, but spiritually you are not growing. Okay? And uh, so the first stage is you have to be stable, but that foundation is not for you to stay stable, so to speak. That is that you need to learn to move by faith. And sometimes that you will find that faith is, like someone said to me, the way you spell faith is spelled R-I-S-K. You know, you know, it's like faith is that you by choice move yourself out of your own comfort zone. Okay? And it's in that uh, discomfort, so to speak, that's where you grow. I remember, you know, like, with, you know, the, the, the prophet talks about iron sharpens iron. And uh, and I remember when I broke my leg, but I didn't know that. And he did, the, the guy who he didn't, who was not very good at communicating it, but uh, but the way the bone has to grow together was that it had to rub against one another, okay? And uh, but but I didn't hear that, so I didn't put any pressure on my leg, and therefore the, the bones did not start growing. And it's the same thing in our spiritual life that if we are always in the comfort zone, we are not growing. But the thing is, you have to do it by choice. Okay, it's not someone is going to come and force you to it. You know, like sometimes people say, "Oh, this happened to me, and God this." No, no, that was rather because you were stupid or whatever, you know, unwise or whatever. But the faith walk is that we, by choice, put ourselves in that position. Okay, it's, that's why that in any sport that is where I, I would say you that I admire the athletes, it's in boxing. Okay. Uh, because of it. I don't know how uh, you need a specific kind of mental attitude because you know when you are a boxer you know uh, you, you do not fight every single day you know you maybe have one fight every year and uh, so in between that you know you, they live a life in uh, completely comfort and when 
they sign up for the next match and now they have to in their mind choose to pull themselves out of the comfort because of the if they if they do not get fit you know have you i don't know if you have watched the boxing match you know what points you killed if you're not fit okay and uh, i remember in england we have this guy from manchester wiki hatton i think his name was but and uh, it was funny with him was that between every match he always became so fat and when he chose to fight then he lost all the weight but that's not how but that was actually not a good thing because you lose strength every time you go through this action. But, but, but what, what is admirable about it is that they can, by choice, pull themselves out of the comfort zone and put themselves into discomfort for the purpose of practicing. And that's the same thing that we as believers, you know, we, you have to understand our life aim as believers is not to be blessed. Our life aim is to be a blessing. Okay? And to be a blessing... It, it it requires some something of us that we cooperate with him, okay. And uh, but in uh, if you remember when Jesus uh, just before Jesus departed, uh, he ascended, that uh, he blew on the disciples and said, "Receive the Holy Spirit." And when he gives them the great commission, where he says, "You know that you should be witnesses uh, both in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, you know, all the world." And when he say, but now go and wait. Go to Jerusalem and wait until power comes upon you. Okay? And a part of it is that as when you and I, we get born again, we receive the Holy Spirit within us. That's why the Corinthians talks about where we become the temple of the Holy Spirit. Okay? That's where that when you hear phrases like they say, the Holy Spirit, Jesus is here now. No, that's not true. He was here all the time. Do you understand? <laughs> Sometimes, come Jesus. Yeah, he's here already because you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You know, notice he didn't say you are the holiday home of the Holy Spirit. You're not the guest house of the Holy Spirit. Meaning, when you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, he stays with you permanently. He's always with you. So this thing about that, oh, God is, is far away. No, he's not far away. He's there all the time. But because we very often have been taught that the Holy Spirit is an emotion, is a feeling, we can be deceived into believe that if I only feel a certain way, now then that's where God is here. When I started out prophesying, when I was young in it, uh, the Holy Spirit, you know, I used to have a feeling. But you have to understand that, was not, that feeling was because I was immature in what I was uh, pursuing, okay? So every time I had that feeling, I felt now I, I should prophesy. But later on in life, when, uh, when I grown in it, when I knew I had a word, but I didn't have the feeling. And I remember I didn't say the word, and I remember later on I said to, to, to uh, I asked the host, why did I not have the feeling? Because I did not need it anymore. You know, feelings is immaturity. If you always have to feel, you are not, you have not learned to move by the spirit. You know, like, and that's where sometimes people go wrong because in the early days of your belief of your life, you can sometimes have feelings, you can see things and thought, and we think, oh wow, this is really spectacular. And then later on, these things disappear because now you don't need it. You have to learn to walk by faith. Not by emotions, not by physical feelings and so on. Uh, that's really a sign of immaturity. But anyway, so 
so when Jesus, he blew of him, and I actually believe that was the day the church was born. You know, many people, traditionally we say the church was born on the day of Pentecost, because that's where the Holy Spirit arrived. But that's what he said. But, you know, but Jesus, he blew on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And I believe that's where they be, the church was born. Anyway, he says to them, now go into Jerusalem and wait until power comes upon you. And uh, now when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, with some people, they call it the anointing, uh, whatever it may be. But the thing is that you can have the Holy Spirit within you. That's what happens when you get born again. And when we're using the phrase, you can get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Okay? Which means the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Do you understand? You know, you can, but you can have people who have the Holy Spirit within them, but because no one has told them about that the Holy Spirit can come upon them. If you remember, there's an incident in the book of Acts that uh, uh, Paul comes to, uh, to a group of believers and when he says, have you received the Holy Spirit? And when uh, no, the baptism, and when you say, no, we only heard about uh, the John's baptism. Okay, the John's baptism is the one where you get immersed in water. But what Paul was talking about, well, have you received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And they hadn't had that, and when they laid hands on them, and the Holy Spirit came upon them, and that's where you find in in the in in the in, that's where you find the ability, that's where you find the power of the Holy Spirit. Because if you if you start living the Christian life without the Holy Spirit being baptized in the Holy Spirit, a lot of what you're doing, you're relying on your willpower, you're relying on your whatever that you turn into Christianity, that, uh, from what, whichever history, culture you're coming from. But we all need the Holy Spirit upon us. Jesus, he gave a commission, said, you need to be witnesses and so on. But he said to them, don't do anything until the Spirit had come upon you. Okay? And, uh, and when we come to the upper room, we know that uh, there are 120 in the upper room. And, uh, and I think that when... We, it says that when the disciples all became one, then the Holy Spirit came. Okay? And this is where in Acts chapter 2 it says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come. Now, you know, the, the Pentecost in Old Testament, do you, you, you know what, what happened on Pentecost in the Old Testament? You're not listening the last 20 years. <laughs> that is the day when Moses comes down from the mountain with the Ten Commandments. Okay, so, so Pentecost is not a Christian thing. Pentecost is actually something that was all the way back from the Jewish culture. That was the day when Moses came down with the Ten Commandments. Okay, so and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord. Okay, in my Danish Bible they say they were all in one accord. That's a Guinness Book of Records. You got 120 people into one accord. You know, you know the car. Okay, you didn't. But Solomon, he's far more privileged. Solomon had a Porsche. So we, we went to Solomon's Porsche. Okay. <laughs> so with someone, I, I looked at the Porsche. They said, you can't have a Porsche. I said, it's in the Bible. Solomon had a Porsche. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so... So they were all with one accord in one place. Now I, you know, I believe that uh, in the world we use the word synergy, 
you know, there is a deception going around in the body of Christ in the Western world is that we thinking, we led to believe, we do not need anyone because I got Jesus. It's just Jesus and me. I don't need it because Jesus and me. But the, the thing is that uh, there, is a, there is a truth in that you are unique. But you are not that unique that you can handle everything on your own. I believe many of times God deliberately makes us dependent on other people. So like, the, for example, that you, you know, like you see in the Bible, if you see, for example, the, the people who had dreams in the Bible, okay, that the revelation of the understanding of the interpretation of what you may call it of that dream was given to someone else. Okay? It's like it's not like when you God shows you something, don't assume that you now realize or that you understand what it is, what it means. Because it is not your word. It's not your dream if it's God's. And God always put the translation and interpretation upon someone else. If you read in Corinthians 14, when it talks about speaking in tongues in church, this is a prophetic tongue, where one is given a tongue, another is given the interpretation. It's not that the one who is given the tongue also gets the interpretation. Do you understand? Why? Because we are called the body of Christ. Amen? And, and, and I believe that this is a part of what God has made us dependent upon one another. When he looked at Adam, he said, it's not good for man to be alone. And now, come on, you, you're meeting up with God every afternoon, and God says, it's not good for you to be alone. And we say, yeah, but I got you. Yeah, but it's not good for man to be alone. That's why he had to create Eve. But it was not good for men to be alone. And yet, many charismatics today, Christians today, were thinking, I don't need church, or I can just watch YouTube, or whatever it may be. No, you need fellowship. Did you understand? Because of there are things that you need in your life that is, is invested in other people. I believe that most of the answers that you need from God is already here, but is invested, is put down in people around you. But many of times we're missing it because we're looking at the clay vessel and not the treasure within. Okay? Uh, so anyway, so they become in one spirit. And I believe a part of what happens is that uh, they, they got rid of all this nonsense about that. Who is the greatest amongst us? Remember, can you, can you, you know, you know, I don't understand why everyone thinks John is beloving disciple. I think that every turn we take, John do everything wrong. Okay? Uh, he even got his mom to go and make uh, ask Jesus, can Ma, can can John sit next to you up in uh, up in heaven or whatever? Okay. He anyway, but I believe that they came into one accord because they realized they are dependent upon one another. When uh, there, there was no such thing as I want to be the pope or I want to be the bishop or I want to be the prophet or whatever it is. If we came to one accord, we realized no one was better than the other. Peter said, actually not just Peter, but they all said they were going to die with Jesus when we left the Garden of Gethsemane and when they all ran away apart from John. Maybe because John didn't know where to run to. Everyone else ran. And, but we came there, when we were in the upper room, we realized we are dependent upon one another. We became in one spirit. 
Okay, very clear. So with one accord in one place, and and then verse two, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven, as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. Now you have to understand when it's the Holy Spirit moving, anything with God is self-announcing. Amen. You don't need to say, I'm a prophet. If no one can see you're a prophet, most likely you are not a prophet. If, if, if you have to tell people, I got the healing gift, most likely you don't have it. Because everything, is when, when God is doing things, is self-announcing. We don't need an advertising, but if you have something from God, you don't need to advertise it. It should be obvious for those around you. If not, most likely you don't have it. What you have is just noise. And we have been very good at, uh, in, in, in our part of the world, to make a lot of noise. I'm telling you, it's amazing the titles, you know, that I, I couldn't believe there are so many titles in the Bible. But I found out when I became a Christian, there are prophets and prophets, you know, where uh, someone who is called Dr. Reverend Bishop something, and when his name, you know, it was just crazy about the title. But the thing is, everything God does is self-announcing. When someone has to say, I'm a prophet, no, when just in your head, just to know you're not. If you have to, it's just like you say, hello, my name is Kurt, and I'm normal. <laughs> okay, the moment I add the word normal, Something should raise your suspicion in your head. Uh, the same thing when you meet Christians who say, oh, I'm an apostle, I'm a prophet, or I'm this, that, and the other. No, just because if you have to announce it, you most likely not. You don't see King David, he said, I'm a prophet. You know, King David was a great prophet, but you don't see him running around, I'm a prophet. Put a bet on, I'm a prophet. It, you know, the Apostle Paul, he actually ending up, the more mature the Apostle Paul becomes, he starts out saying, I'm the least of the Apostles. When he, when he becomes a little bit more mature, when he says, I'm the least of the Christians. When he becomes even more mature, now he say, I'm the least of all people. What is that? Because he shall increase and I shall decrease. So, so always remember the Holy Spirit is self-announcing. Just because we say revival ten times doesn't mean we have revival. Do you, do you understand? We can say, you know, when I became a believer, revival was something like uh, in the state of uh, Wales, you know, where the whole country got transformed. That was revival of when George Whitfield preached up in uh, Glasgow to 50,000 people. Can you imagine preaching to 50,000 people open air without a microphone and everyone could hear him? Okay. John Wesley, when he had meetings here in England, they used to say to people, please don't sit in the trees, because when the Holy Spirit comes, you fall down. Okay? Now, that was revival. Revival is not just because, you know, I, I, I have been invited to, pre, uh, to meetings, conferences, and then they advertise it as a revival. No, it's not a revival, it's just free meetings. Okay? That's not revival, that's just a row of meetings. Okay, revival is transformation. A revival is really that what it means. We wake, we, 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 we revive. That's for you and I. But revival is not the goal. Reformation is the goal. So the, when you get transformed, when you, when you and I, we are awakened, that should affect the life around us. Okay, but it must be from that platform. First, we need to be revived. 
And then through our encounter with Jesus, it will transform the world around us. Okay, we, we don't we, we do not we don't change our society by changing the laws, because that doesn't mean anything. You know, I remember many years ago the electricity went out in Los Angeles, and uh, these few hours where there was no electricity in Los Angeles, there was so uh, people was just looting and stealing all over the place because of the. Uh, as long as the law was in place and could be executed, everyone had to behave, but the people had not changed. Okay, revival is to transform people to become believers. Amen. So is the Holy Spirit is self-announcing. Okay, always remember self-announcing. You do not need to put on Facebook, YouTube, or whatever. Oh, I had a dream, or whatever, so on and so forth. It's if you had a dream, it's self-announcing. There is a guy in the Bible actually who do that. That he had a dream too, and he was very busy telling everyone about his dream. Do you know what happened to him? He got sold as a slave and ended up in in the pit. And his name is Joseph. When he had the dream about, oh my my brothers is going to bend down to me. And then the next dream, oh my father and mother should bend down to me too. No wonder his brother. Uh, <laughs> let us send him on a study trip in humility. So we sold him off to, okay. It's always self-announcing. If you read about when Gabriel comes to Mary and say that you are chosen to carry Jesus or the child, she said nothing. She just kept it in her heart. You know what? The thing is, when when God says something to us, we don't need to tell the world like, "Oh, God spoke to me." No, just keep it in your heart, and then God will make it happen. Amen. So, so and suddenly there came a sound from heaven, as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where we were sitting. Now, the way the Holy Spirit, uh, when, when if you want the Holy Spirit to be upon your life and come. You always need to be at rest. You know, see, here, here we were sitting. You know, the hardest thing when we are under pressure is to come into rest. Isn't it? Because our head, our thought life goes all over the place. And uh, it's, it's very, have you noticed when we are under pressure, it's very difficult to hear God. Because all because our minds are all over the place. And that's where we need one another. We are so supposedly to be our brother's keepers. Okay, like not, not like what Cain said to God when he had killed Abel, am I supposed to be my brother's keeper? Yes, you are. And that's where that you all that, that's where when you are in under pressure and your mind goes all, all over the place, yes, you might know the scriptures, you might might know all the things that the Bible says, but at that moment of time. You need someone to speak the word of God to you who are not under the same kind of influence of the pressure that you are under. Amen. It's just like a surgeon. You can be the best surgeon in the world, but if you need an operation, you can't operate on yourself. Okay? Because at the moment you are under pressure, now you're not a surgeon. Now you are patient. Okay? And it's the same thing that the first step that you will find with the devil, he will always drag you into isolation. And the way he does it, he, no, he's not saying, Kurt, I think you should go into isolation. That's not how he's saying it. He will always come attack you with reasoning. So 
he will say, if you are hurt, oh, I need to be alone with Jesus. Do you know what? This is a human behavior that when we are hurt, what do we do? We withdraw. That's a human behavior. It's not a spiritual behavior. And the devil will when give you a justification. He'll say, no, you need to be alone with Jesus. I'm telling you, every time I'm supposed to be alone with Jesus, I never heard a thing. I need to be alone with Jesus. Now, what, what, what I'm saying really is, I don't want to be vulnerable in the eyes of others. And really, you know what that is? That's pride. Okay? And God humbles the pride, proud. But he who humbles himself, God will lift up. Do you know that there is no weakness in saying, I'm hurting? Because if you're not saying you're hurting, you can't access help. Okay? So anyway, now what are we talking about? So And suddenly there came a sound from heaven of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues, like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues. Amen? Now, I, there, there are different kinds of tongues. Uh, there's roughly about four kinds of tongues in the Bible. Okay, where you speak, there's the one where, you're, you know, the personal thing, where you speak in tongues, Jude chapter 20. We can just go quickly there. In Jude chapter 20. If you don't know where Jude is, it's the last book before Revelation. Okay, just find Revelation and then it's the book just before. It's not a book actually, it's just a page. Anyway, so it says here, uh, But you, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Praying in the Holy Ghost. It's so important we, we, we get this back to the body of Christ because many Christians, you know, like now I, I meet people who say I'm a spiritual believer, but we don't pray in tongues. I'm, I met Christians who say we are Baptists, we've never been baptized. You know, it's like, we have a, it's a, and, and, and that's where all this nonsense are coming where that when the Holy Spirit comes upon me, I need, uh, I, I need to do this, I need to do No, you don't need to do anything. Okay? You know, because of, the thing is that the, the second thing that we need is that the Holy Spirit comes upon us. Here it says that we build up our most holy faith praying in the Holy Ghost. And I'm telling you that most of the time, when I'm praying for something, I pray in tongues because I have no idea what to pray in the natural. Because, uh, as you know, things does not always things are not always as they appear. So someone say, "Can you pray for this?" And so, I mean, we say because of this, that, and the other. And most of the time, that's not the reason. Okay, because if we know the reason for why, don't we just correct it? So many of times, I, so let's say I just pray, someone say, oh, I need to pray for Jerry. I mean, what shall I pray for Jerry about? And then I just say, Jesus, I pray for Jerry. And then I start speaking in tongues. Okay. And the same thing, I remember shortly after I became a believer, I had a good friend and his mom passed away. And I didn't know how emotionally to handle these things. And I remember I was just every single day when I thought about I just praying in tongues, prayed in tongues, prayed in tongues, prayed in tongues. <laughs> and then suddenly one moment, it was just like the whole heaviness just lifted. I mean, it, it took me 
seven, eight days or something like that. But the whole thing just lifted. Okay? And, and I believe that this is what happened when the Holy Spirit came upon them. They started speaking with new tongues. Now, one of the tongues is that you can speak in a completely different language. Now, that's, if you notice, uh, the Apostle Paul, he never went to Rome. No, it wasn't the Apostle Paul who started the church in Rome. It was proselytes who were at Jerusalem at that moment of time, at the day of Pentecost. And they heard the gospel spoken in their language. So, I, I, I never experienced it myself, but, I, I, but other people I, I trust have said, well, you know, there's a, a guy I know, he's a missionary in Africa, and, um, and he at that stage, he didn't know, should he go back to Denmark or should he stay or something like that. And when we were in a prayer meeting and everyone prayed in tongues, and um, suddenly, in the midst of this, you know, this is in Africa, middle of Africa, Someone starts speaking Danish. And of course, then. And that person didn't know they were speaking Danish. And that person basically said that you should stay as a missionary in Africa. Okay? That's one kind of tongues. But the tongues that Jude talks about is your personal tongue. When you get back, you get a new language that you do not understand. But it's your spirit that talks to God. And the reason for why, you know, when I got better, I said the Holy Spirit, I used to think, oh, I, something I make, make up myself. It sounds stupid and, uh, and so on and so forth. But the thing is, what I noticed is that when I speak in tongues, your brain can still work. Have you noticed, you know, when, you, when you talk with your mind or praying with your mind, you, your, your mind, you, can't, you cannot think of other things. But when you're praying in the Spirit, you're mind is not involved because it comes from your spirit. And what happens is that you speaking what we say, secrets with God, is from spirit to spirit. Okay? And it's because it goes beyond our understanding. That's why I believe that it's just as I say, you know, when I pray, shall I, I say, God, shall I buy a new car? And when I pray in the spirit, I mean, call of us to No, you should know you. But the spirit speaks different. Okay? And it's where we need to get that back into the body of Christ. That we need to be, we need the body to start speaking in new tongues again, because we are spiritual beings. That is our connection. You know, in gospel, in the gospel, John talks about where shall spring rivers of living water from your inner being. That is the spirit. So when you start speaking in tongues, you're releasing the Holy Spirit within you. And upon you. And now you're praying God's perfect will. When I pray with my understanding, I don't necessarily pray God's perfect will. Because I'm praying what has influenced my understanding, my view, my opinion, my background, my experience, and so on. Okay? So like a good advice when you're praying for sick people or a minister to sick people, pray in tongues. Because of uh, now... Because you, you know, we assume being, if you have a headache, oh yeah, we pray, oh Jesus, bless that headache, let it go. Or someone had cancer, oh hallelujah, so, because we, it's suddenly big. But it really, in the eyes of God, it's the same. doesn't matter if you've got a headache or, or, or cancer, because God has healed it all. It's like, it doesn't matter how big your bill is, as long as you got the money. Amen. It doesn't matter if you have to pay 10p or you have to pay 100 pounds as long as you have the money. 
Okay? So anyway, so we, so we were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. So the sign of you being baptized in the Holy Spirit, you speak in new tongues. Amen? And that's where some people, they struggle to speak in new tongues because really it's the ultimate position of yielding to God. You have to let go of control. I know people have been prayed for, for by any, you, you name the preacher, they pray for him. And they've been prayed for so many times where they had no hair left, okay? And they still can't speak in tongues. And they think, oh, if I can just get that person to pray for me or that person to pray for me. No, it's because what they're struggling with is to yield. It's the same thing when you, have, when you have to learn to swim. You know, you have to learn to yield to the water so that the water carries you, okay? But what do, what do people do when they, they, when, when they panic in water? They struggle. I, I don't know if it's true. I Hopefully, I never have to experience it. But they say that when, at one stage, the lifeguard have to knock you out if you're in panic mode because else they can't save you. But really, the issue is they can't yield. We know they want to be in control. But the thing is that the Holy Spirit cannot be in control of your life and you also be in control of your life. Okay? One, one, one is either one or the other. And there, so, but the sign of you being baptized with the Holy Spirit is that you speak in new tongues. That is the sign. If you don't speak in new tongues, then you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit. But the good news is you can be. Amen? But, but, but now so, some teaching has come in and say, no, no, you can be filled with the Holy Spirit without speaking in new tongues. No, that's not what the Bible says. I heard all sorts of crazy things about people saying they're spirit-filled and they don't speak in tongues, but they do all sorts of other things. You have to understand that the Holy Spirit never makes you do things. Okay? In Corinthians, it also talks about that the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. So, like, I've been in meetings where people say, oh, I have to say this, I have to say this, I have to say this. Why? Because, you no, you don't have to. Because God does not work that way. The spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. which means you are in control. Okay? You know, that, that I, it's, it was quite common that people sometimes they say, oh, why, so I say, why do you do this? Oh, the Holy Spirit made me. No, that is a contradiction. The Holy Spirit does not make you do anything that you do not want to do. Just like the devil cannot make you do things that you don't want to do. You know that the devil cannot make you sin. Amen? No, if the devil could make us sin, that means it's not my fault. That means I don't need to repent. That means I haven't sinned. No, it's my choice. I, you know, when basically when we sin, what we're doing is that we're basically putting our trust in Him, in the devil, instead of putting our trust in God. Okay, so, so, so they, so when the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance, and they were dwelling at Jerusalem, Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now this was noised. Abroad the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard when speaking in his own language. And it must have been quite, it must have been quite a, 
uh, interesting thing. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were both, Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, and we dwell also in Mesopotamia, and in Judea, and Cappadocia, and Pontus, and Asia. You know, the, the four, or five, four of them is, is, is people from the Middle East, basically. Okay, but, but the fascinating thing was that now, when the Holy Spirit came upon them, they, they yielded to the Holy Spirit. Okay, and, 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 and I believe that this is something we need to get back. Because of, this is where you find the life of God. It is in praying in the Holy Spirit. I, I, when, when I was a young believer, it was quite custom in our church that everyone, we start praying in tongues for an hour every day in our personal life. And I'm telling you, it makes a world of difference. You know, today, most people relying on their reasoning, power, their common sense, or whatever, or they call it wisdom, but really it is that most people are moving in their own strength because we're still moving within their capabilities. And God does not want us to be confined by that. He wants us to live in the supernatural, where nothing is impossible. Amen. Because when you become a believer, you have to understand, you become a carrier of the living God. You become the Ark of the Covenant wherever you go, you know, when we ask of the covenant, when we brought it back from the, uh, when when, uh, when we brought the ark of the covenant back, and when it, at, at one stage it had to it, it stayed at a place because there was this guy who was trying to help God, and when he got killed, okay, and, uh, and when we said, oh, we're not going to move it at all, so we stayed at that place, and the blessing of God came upon that place. You have to understand, you are that ark of the covenant now. But the thing is that if we, start, if we try to add this, uh, the natural to the supernatural, you will get hurt. Do you, do you understand? Uh, so, and that's where that you will find so many people who keep uh, saying, uh, God showed me this and God showed me that. You'll find that their health is not very well because there's a price to deal with, with, with these things. Okay? It's very, very, you know, the whole things are dangerous to play with if you just think it's a game. So, but... So we need to get back to the supernatural. Not, you know, you, you know, that whatever challenge you have in your life today, I, I, if I, you know, start praying in new tongues. You know, you have prayed and prayed and prayed and nothing happens. Maybe it's because you're praying from your position. But now, when you start praying in the spirit, now you, now you open up with God. Okay, it, it is so important we get that back. That we don't just rely upon, oh yeah, we reasoning. You know, sometimes I I'm missing seeing some of these crazy acts of faith. Okay, uh, many years ago I read a book. Uh, it was called The Militant Church by Lister Somewhere. and uh, you can say many things about Kenneth Copeland, but there is this thing in Lister Somewhere's book. He said about Kenneth Copeland. He said that, and now Lister Somewhere, he said. He got scared when he's with Kenneth Copeland. And now, when I read that, oh, Lester Samuel gets scared. And he said, I, he had never been with a man like Kenneth Copeland who was such, such an radical giver. Okay? You know, like, he didn't give five, you know, that we, we can see the airplanes or whatever he had, whatever. He has his own airport, Kenneth Copeland. 
Can you imagine? You know, never mind the plane. He's got his own airport. Anyway, but he, Lester Sommel, he shared about that. Lester Sommel was the only civilian who was allowed to purchase a military transport plane. Okay? <coughs> and that was the one he traveled around in the world. And, uh, but it was Kenneth Copeland who bought it for him. And, and Lester Sommel said that every time, you know, that plane has to be serviced very frequently, airplanes, said every time it has to be serviced, Kenneth Copeland paid for the plane to be flown <coughs> back to America, paid for the service, and paid for it to be sent back. Uh, no, uh, you know, this is quite a lot of money, okay? And he said he never met a man like that. And you know what? We need to be more, we, we need to get back to that kind of radical faith where we do things for the kingdom of God. Where we, we need, because this is what we call to do. We, we, are, we are called to be supernatural beings where we do supernatural things. Like, uh, there's a man called John G. Lake. He was, at that time, he was a missionary in South Africa. And when in a prayer meeting, he just bent it down on his knees and when he started speaking in tongues. And the moment he started speaking in tongues, he came out of his body. You know, and when he said, he, he described, now this is back in 1900, so he described in his body, he flew all the way up the west coast of Africa, right into a house in Wales, and then there was a man there who was ill, and he ministered to him, and he got healed, and then the moment he was back in his body in South Africa, many years later, John G. Lake ran into this man. Said, he said, we met before. You came and ministered to me. It was not just a dream. It was not just an imagination. Okay? But it started with, he was so connected that he started speaking in tongues. And because he, now he connected with God. There was a big plague in uh, South Africa at the time. And, uh, and so many of, these peop- many of the people died there. And, uh, but John G. Lake, he, they said, you, you need to leave the country because it's not safe. I said, no, no, I, the whole spirit is upon me. And uh, they actually f- found out that what transmitted the disease was the saliva and so on. And then he, he said to them, okay, to prove you that the Holy Spirit is, uh, he said, they put this saliva in my hand and we're under a microscope. The moment he started praying in tongues, the bacteria died. Okay. No, we, we we have to come. You know, you are called to be a supernatural being. You know, when you're praying for your family, you know, we're praying all oh, save uh, Auntie this, that, and the other, Uncle so and so, and make this, that, and the other, behave this, that, and the other. No, just mention their name and then start speaking in tongues. Because when you are praying God's perfect plan over them, many of times when we pray for our, we 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 are limited. When you're praying for breakthrough, when just say in Jesus, invest in, the, in your name, I'm praying, and then start speaking in tongues. Just keep speaking, just keep speaking. How long shall I be? Just keep speaking. And I'm telling you, once you do that, you come into the habit, and it just becomes something that flows. And the good thing when you're speaking in tongues, do you know what that is? You don't say anything wrong. Amen? You don't say anything wrong. And, uh, because you don't understand what you're saying. And you know, for you and I, it's good. We are we are we are, we are immigrants. We we don't look like the British, so that's good. So you can just walking around. Hmm? Okay. 
You can do. We we did that one uh, once in Denmark, uh, in front of a mosque. God of us, we don't. We could pray. Because they thought we were just foreigners, speaking their own language. Okay, you know. But it's important we do. We come back into this thing. This is so vital. It comes back into about the, 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 the move of the Holy Spirit being relegated to stupidities. Where you know, I heard people, oh, the Holy Spirit comes upon me. I do weak karate chops. No, that's just you. you no, know, uh, p- picking out plastic swords or flanks. I remember. I think it was in uh, first time. Dennis Balcom was here. He got a flag in his face or something like that here, down in Nelson Street. And it, it was just embarrassing. Now, the Holy Spirit is, when you start speaking in tongues, now you're releasing the power within you. Amen? And we need to get that back. When you and I make that lifestyle that we keep speaking in new tongues, I'm telling you, your life will be transformed. But because of we have been so relied upon my reasoning power, my, I do this and do that, and I need to budget this and that. Yes, and you need to do that, but that must not be the limit. You know, when I've seen people, uh, one of them was a Swedish businessman, and uh, he lived in the wealthiest area in Stockholm, and uh, his next-door neighbor was, the, at that time, the CEO of Scandinavian Airlines, so it was like, and he came to our church, this man, and shared about uh, one day God spoke to him about he should give all their money away. Okay? Not not what he could have, all their money. So he said to his wife, you go and pray. You you hear what God's saying to you. And then God said exactly the same to her. And when they gave all the money away to to this person or whatever it was. Anyway, so he, he looked at the kids and said, now if you need milk, you pray. If you need this, you pray. You need this, you pray. Okay? And he said, there was a big Mercedes parked outside in my driveway. So no one thought we needed anything. But then there was a woman, so it was around Christmas time. So we didn't have anything. We were giving everything away. And then there was a woman, she, when, when she was out shopping, and she was not from that part of the city. And when the Holy Spirit spoke to her and said, I, think, I, you, I want you to buy double of everything. Okay, and uh, she did that, and then she was led to go and say, okay, I want you to go to that area. She, uh, she got the address and said, no, oh, no, I can't go there with food. There are plenty of food for these people who live there. But she obeyed, and uh, it was like a miracle. So that was the whole Christmas. Now, that man, he had to learn this thing because some years later, you know, he had a factory where they, put, where they created the plastic bags and they had an order for over 50 million plastic bags that had to be delivered the next day where, where lawyers were coming to collect it and so on. And when we found out that there was a computer fault, so that the machine that was supposed to cut the bag open didn't work. So all the plastic bags were sealed in both sides, which means they were useless. And we were going to come and collect it. But because he had learned to move in his spirit. So what did he do? So because his family has already seen, been through things like that, they, they have experienced. So what he said, that we all went out into the storage place and there were all these piles of plastic bags. 
and they just walked around, prayed in tongues, and laid hands on it. You know, next day when we came and collected it, it was all open. Okay, it was all open, and and we 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 need to get the supernatural back. Because of if, 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 if Christianity is not just good behavior, you no, know, the, the disciples here, you have to say these were simple people, and yet God used them when the Holy Spirit came upon them to spread the gospel to the whole known world. Not, not in reasoning, not in arguing, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay? You know, but you will see in the book of Acts that everywhere the gospel is come is supernatural. It's not like, can you not understand that Jesus did this? You cannot reason people into the gospel. You have to see it's supernatural. Okay? It is, it's not my good behavior, it's not my good conduct, and so on and so forth, that gets people saved. It is the supernatural thing that makes the difference. When I got saved, you know, that it was very funny. But I just lived like any other sinner before I got saved, and my parents were not worried about me at all. When I got saved, I sat home Friday evening, they were worried. Okay? They, was, they actually thought about kidnapping me out of his skull, that was a part of. And, uh, but, but the thing is, there is a supernatural thing that has to happen. We try to win people by, can you not see here? We try to win people by, we are against abortion, or we try to win people because of, we have this. No, it has to be supernatural. The early church was said they could see they were simple people, but they could see they had been with Jesus. You know, that, like, imagine Peter. When Peter came, people ran towards Peter because even from his shadow, people got healed. Okay? That's not something you can do in the natural, but it was because he was connected to the Holy Spirit. Okay, it, 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 and 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 that, and that connection you cannot do with your mind. It has to be from your heart, from spirit to spirit. Amen. So, and that is what Jesus talked to the disciples about. These are all the things I want you to do, but wait until the power has come upon you. Wait until the power has come upon you, and that was until the day of Pentecost. And now you can have your Pentecost today. Amen. It is so important we get that back. It's not about oh yeah, you know, people they preach about all sorts of characteristics. You know, we need to get the power of the Holy Spirit back. In, in I think it's in the ten Acts ten thirty eight. It talks about with Jesus here. Uh, I say how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Okay? It's, it's a supernatural thing. It's a supernatural thing. I, you know, that's why you have someone like Smith Wigglesworth who made the statement that said that, you know, when people asked, he said, you know, some people read it in Greek, some people read it in Hebrew, and now there's nothing wrong in understanding the Bible in Hebrew and Greek, but he said, I read it in the Holy Ghost. Because if you don't have the Holy Ghost, all the other things is just stupid. And I'm telling you, many people who claim to have the Holy Spirit, they don't have it. They're just using the word to enforce what they will do themselves. Okay? When, 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 so, you always, when, whatever ministry, always look at who 
does that person refer to? Okay. If there's no, if if you have not been sent, you most likely just went. Okay. And don't ever follow people like that. It doesn't matter how many times they say Jesus. That's why uh, most of the when you go on YouTube and so on, I don't listen to the Christians there because I don't know who they are. Because we all superstars on Facebook, isn't it? Oh, no, but if you have no one above you, don't ever listen to them. Because of doesn't matter how much sense it makes, you know. Because we, out of that, there come so many stupid things. Someone says, "Oh, it heals my heart." Your heart doesn't need to be healed. Your heart is perfect. When you get saved, you are perfect. Amen. Anyway, so we so. Can I just encourage you, pray in tongues more frequently. Amen. Pray in tongues. You, know, like, you can do it on your own. You don't need to. You know, praying in tongues is not to impress people. It is for your gratification and edification. But when you pray in tongues, and I'm telling you, when, when I start speaking in tongues, the devil kept telling me, oh, you make it up yourself. You make it up yourself. You make it. No, it didn't because I saw the results. I saw the results happening all around me. Amen. So, so it's a supernatural thing. Your breakthrough is found in this area that you pray in tongues. It's not about, you know, too many times people, they spend so much time uh, calculating, budgeting, reasoning, and, and so on and so forth. And yet what we should do, just rely on the Holy Spirit. Because uh, I, I have been, there have been times where, and we, this is not something that uh, I remember. What is it? No, anyway, it doesn't really matter. So this, is what, this was the starting point. Jesus said to him, okay, go to Jerusalem. And wait until the power has come upon you. Because he knew we cannot do that without the power of God. And this is where, you know, this is what the Pentecostal church was born out of, or of the assemblies of God was born out of, was this revelation of we need to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. We need the power of God. Now, when you have the, uh, when you get born again, you get the presence of God, but you also need the power of God. Okay, because the, the presence gives you the platform, the power gives you the ability. Amen. That's why we can lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. That's why that we can uh, we can we can ask God for wisdom and He will grant it to us. That's why we can read the Word of God and it brings revelation. Okay, the Bible says that the, the letter kills, but the Spirit brings life. Okay, if you want, and, and it's so vital we get that back. This is what Christianity is about. The majority, the most important part, apart from your Bible reading, is really that you pray in tongues. That is so important. That uh, all the other Christian deeds that we, we can fall into do is not uh, an, uh, important compared to this. And we need to get that back into the forefront that we start speaking in tongues. But the thing is that. Because so many times, because nowhere is preached anymore, no one is doing it anymore. No, the majority of the body of Christ, they don't pray in tongues anymore. Because it's not preached. When I got saved, you could never have a meeting without anyone saying, have you been baptized with the Holy Spirit? Okay, you, you know, everyone, uh, because it was, a, it was a common thing. And you know, that's where you find your personal breakthrough. 
in God. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah.